0: Before we start the episode, we want to thank our South by Southwest sponsor, Lost Republic. Badass bourbon and rye distilled and bottled right here in Northern California.
1: And the great thing about this company is it's founded by best friends. Matt Weiss and Colin Harder went to school in Santa Rosa, and they really wanted to put California on the map for making great whiskey. They handwrite the batch number on every bottle. It's a very person-to-person brand, but most importantly, it's freaking delicious. You can find them at lostrepub.com or find it at your local pub or bottle shop and tell them that Bitch Talk sent you. So today is our fifth and final day of our South by Southwest coverage, and we're bringing you some great narrative films. We have two shorts, Roommates and Dear Mama, and then finally a narrative feature, The Prank.
0: We just wanna say thank you to all of our South by Southwest guests. It's been a wild ride. We hope next year we can actually be there in person, but until then, enjoy the show.
1: Rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps.
0: All right, Bitch Talkers, we are still at South by Southwest 2022. Speaking with director Ashley Eakin and actors Kira Allen and Kelsey Johnson from the Film Roommates. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. I'm going to go with the director, Ashley. Can you tell our audience what Roommates is about?
2: Uh, Roommates is a comedy. It is a short comedy about two girls that have disabilities who end up being roommates and they have different views of how they see disability and they bond over getting drunk. (laughs) <laughs> as you do <laughs> and we'll leave it there because uh i don't want to give too much away
1: yeah I, I do want to start by saying asha i've been wanting to have you on ever since i, I watched single i think it was last year at south by or something and yeah just super it was 2020 super- it was 2020. Okay, yeah. yeah. So just real excited about your work and, and to have you finally on the show. And you've been around for a while working on other people's projects. And now you're finally able to create your own. So can you talk about just like the choices you're making now that you have this creative freedom and how that, how that interprets who you are as a director? And then maybe our actors can piggyback on that and, and talk about uh, Ashley's directing style and, and how it's unique. Yeah, I,
2: you know, I've been in the business for about 10 to 12 years. I say 10 to 12 because with COVID, I haven't actually done a proper counting. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Um, I think it's 12 years. I think I I started in 2010 um, and I've been, yeah, like you're saying, assisting a lot of other people. I worked for producers, writers. And then when I realized I wanted to direct in 2015, I was like, I need to, actually work for a working director in Hollywood to know what they do. Because I know you direct people, but I don't know how you actually make a living and get jobs and all that type of stuff. So I hunted for about five months to find a job and I a, a directing assistant job. And I got one working for John Chu. And I was part of the whole Crazy Rich Asians trajectory. My second- um- <laughs> interview was to read the book Crazy Rich Asians and uh, tell him how to make it into a movie. So he literally was getting the job that Friday, like going in to pitch the job. And so I was on from like rewrite of the script. They brought on Adele Lim and like a Malaysian, you know, screenwriter, and it was a really incredible experience. And I was, you know, there for the whole production, and and I actually quit working for him right before the premiere. So it's two and a half years of this journey, and. I feel like it really changed my life and I realized what it was doing for representation for the Asian community and not being stereotypes and having hot guys and you know all this stuff that was revolutionary for people and they were writing john letters saying I've never seen myself on screen and this is like you know changing my life and I was born with a physical disability and you know I never it kind of clicked with me in that moment of like, I never see our experiences on screen and people with different bodies, and so I kind of made this jump and this shift. Um, at the time in my life, I was kind of having an identity revolution, I call it, and I started becoming, you know, proud of being a disabled woman or actually being vulnerable. It was really telling everyone that I'm incredibly insecure and I don't know, um, you know, and I fear about how people see me and opening up and being vulnerable has made me find this community of disabled people that is just incredible and has made me love the community. And, you know, Kelsey and I were just talking about this the other night about how meeting other people and seeing them and how, you know, learning about their insecurities or vulnerabilities and how it affects them actually makes you like, you see this person, you're like, I love them. And they're amazing. and I don't know why they're letting their disability really like hold them back or have it be this issue in their life. And then in a reflection of that, it makes you have self-love because you're like, maybe I should feel that way about myself. And so it's been this amazing journey and then realizing how much representation has such an impact on our lives. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to make stories about the disabled community because it's always been in a really narrow narrative of how we're presented until recently. You know, it's really opening up. Even since when I made single, it's like, there's so many people that are being cast and and stories that are being told which is like really exciting um but yeah I was single I wanted to make like a disruptive character who's kind of unlikable and and bold and and you know I did that and we're developing that actually into a tv series which is really exciting um with fx and uh you know with this with powder keg I actually started talking to powder keg I think in very late 2020 or even like early t- I think it was late 2020 and they kept pushing production because of COVID and I actually had a totally different story in mind and I reached out to Kelsey I was like looking for different actors it was actually I was talking to one of the girls who was you know a friend of hers and I'm like who else do they know I like this is how I find a lot of people is they like stalking on Instagram and yep. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like <laughs> this is how I cast now. It just, it's, it's, I, you, you know, finding disabled people who you feel like could fit a role. It's like about a vibe too, you know, and, and I reach out to people cause some people can act, some people can't. And I just pose it to them of, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but would you want to read, you know, and, and Kelsey did. And we started developing actually this other project, but I could not fit it into a short format. It was like not working and it's kind of like a coming of age lady birdish film Mm -hmm. and i always have this idea in the back of my head about two roommates ending up in the dorms together because one check disabled even though she doesn't consider herself disabled and i was telling kelsey i'm like i've met with this girl kira allen who i think is amazing and i was like what if we totally shift gears because i'm not feeling confident about this in a short format and we craft this story that, you know, kind of based on this idea and include Kira. But I'm like, we should only do this if Kira's on board. So we like reached out to Kira and she was like, hmm, this sounds interesting. Yeah, let's like keep talking about it. And so that's kind of how we got the ball rolling here. And and I just love stories that center disabled people, but also show us as human and fun. And um, we had a lot of fun shooting this. So Maybe the girls can talk about that.
0: (laughs) I was going to say that's a great segue because I was going to ask the actors um, about the dialogue because it felt very real. And like, we were in the room with them and experiencing everything. So either if Kelsey or Kira want to jump on that.
3: Well, I'm so glad to hear that. First of all, <laughs> that's <laughs> fantastic to hear. We had a great time filming this. Um, and Kelsey, like that laughter is real. Kelsey and I were like, we, yeah. we, it, we couldn't stop laughing between takes. Like, I don't know what they put in that water that they put in the shot glasses. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we just, um, and I think that's really a credit to Ashley as well, because of the way she set up rehearsals and the way we um kind of prepared for those scenes like we had to learn to like goof off really like that was the rehearsal was building our chemistry getting to know each other getting into a place where we could really like let loose and have fun with each other and have fun with these words because the lines are so great and so funny Mm -hmm. and so fun um that it was really all about loosening up and and learning each other's rhythms and and just having fun and then Hopefully, I'm glad to hear you felt this way, that the, the audience would feel like they're having fun with us too.
2: Yeah, I think that was a huge uh, thing for us is the authenticity of the amount of fun that we were having. It was just consistent laughing and, um, you know, back to what Ashley was saying about making the script, it's so rare to be able to see representation of yourself on screen. Um, so I think authenticity for all of us is just like so important in this entire journey
4: that we've been making this film.
1: Kelsey and Ashley have a prior relationship, but what was the bonding process for you, Kira, when you when you joined? Finally joined the short. Um, did you and Kelsey, you know, go out drinking just to warm up, or uh, <laughs> because yeah, it, it just seems so natural? And and did you add some sorts of your own thoughts and feelings into mm-hmm. your own character or to the dialogue because uh, it's it's so personal and 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 very authentic <laughs> and and refreshing to hear from both sides of, of your experiences.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, Kelsey and I did hang out a good amount before, before the film, which I think really contributed to our performances and our chemistry that like we got dinner. We got dinner. Ashley suggested it, that we get together and get to know each other a little bit. And it was immediately like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? And it's <laughs> like, we had this dinner. <laughs> we closed out the restaurant. We were there for hours. Yeah. Like my, my burger was gone. We were like <laughs> picking at the fries and we still had so much to say. We had so many like parallels in our life stories and just so much that we really clicked on related to disability, unrelated to disability. Um, we were really lucky that uh, we really just clicked in that way. And I feel so lucky to know Kelsey. Um. And uh, and Ashley, I knew from before the film that we had already met just to get to know each other as um, people in the industry, both as disabled people in the industry um, and had really gotten along. Hadn't met in person until the film because um, Kelsey and I were both on the East Coast and Ashley's on the West Coast. So when we finally all got together, we were all staying in the same hotel for this um, for this shoot. And so when we all finally got in one room together, it was like, it was like a slumber party, honestly. Like we had the best time just hanging out in Ashley's room. We were like stretched out over the beds, like laughing and pretending <laughs> to take shots. And it was fantastic.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I really wanted them to like, get to know, you know, it's about feeling comfortable and like there are moments where I'm like, okay, you need to lay your lap in her. Like, I think we cut out the scene, but there's one where she's like taking a shot upside down in her (laughs) lap. And I'm like, yeah, you got to do it. Like you got to be physical with each other. So this feels like you're instantly bonding, you know, and we shared a lot of stories. I I told them my most embarrassing moment of my life. And, uh, (laughs) I think that was the actual laughter that we see in the film. Like they would even just look at me and start cracking up laughing. And I'm like,
1: you're just going to tease us.
2: I know. No, can you I tell can us tell you. after we record? I can't
1: tell you. Oh, I can't tell you. Tease. Oh, wow. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Someday,
2: after I'm like, maybe in like 10 years, because it involves ben. people in the industry. Oh, it's tricky, but uh and I don't know if I ever want him to know about it. So well, I said
0: off <laughs> mic, it doesn't have to be on blast after uh me. I don't know, it's really embarrassing, guys. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I I'm
1: don't imagine us. Yeah, and I'm imagining the worst thing possible. It couldn't be worse than yeah, yeah. anything that I would imagine. That oh. anyway. done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those, but you know, um it, it was just all sharing stories about our lives and, and getting to know each other and those. Those two days we stayed in kind of this like janky hotel. I think Kelsey had um, (laughs) Worst, (laughs) but it was like a sleepover. We all just got together in my room and we just kept running it, you know, and seeing what was working and what wasn't. And that was so, oh, my gosh, like vital to it because I did something before for Netflix during during um, height of COVID we had to do rehearsals like with masks on and I'm like, I can't even see their faces. (laughs) You know, it was like incredibly difficult. And this was so valuable to be in the same room with each other and like really run through it. You know, you, it's like that we almost did, you know, we did the work before. And then when we got there, it just was kind of natural to them. And, and with the dialogue too, we really did work with each other, with, with everyone to make sure it sounded like them and felt comfortable in their mouths. So that was a big whole pass of like, you know, um, making
0: it really authentic, but it totally was, um, I, we are going to wrap in just a minute, but I do have a question. There was a very familiar name in the credits, Paul Feig. How did he jump on the project?
2: Yeah. So he, that, this is part of the powder keg program. So it's, uh, it's, they select, I think it's five women a year to fund, and they partnered with Google this year to fund the scripts um, and then we're hoping to make it into a feature. So that's what we're kind of developing and, and working on right now.
0: That's exciting.
1: There is a lot going on right now for you. It's exciting. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah, for
0: all of you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on Bitch Talk. We've been speaking with director Ashley Eakin and actors Kira Allen and Kelsey Johnson from the short film Roommates. Thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk and good luck at South By. Thank you.
1: We are here at South by Southwest 2022, excited to bring you from the Narrative Shorts competition, uh, Dear Mama, which is a reference to Tupac, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, And we have with us today uh, the director and co-writer, Winter Dunn, and the star, Michaela Lachey-Bartholomew. Thank you so much for being here
5: today.
6: Thank you you.
5: you so much for having having us.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, so, <laughs> so <we'll> st- <laughs> love it, love
5: it, lovely energy. You're so in yes. sync.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: So uh, I guess we'll start with our director here. Winter, can you introduce Dear Mama to our audience?
5: Absolutely. Um, Dear Mama is a really beautiful short film about a teenage girl and her father actively trying to navigate the grief of a family member while the news of Tupac's death also breaks. And so it really is a piece about grief. How do we pick up and move on after the people who are either the closest to us or the people who feel like the closest to us are no longer there? And how do we do that with the parents who don't always understand our perspective and what we're going through?
0: Yeah, and Winter I wanted to ask you um since this is taking place in a very specific time in in most of our lives um, mm-hmm. how long was this story um in production, meaning
5: from written to actually shooting? Ooh, so we went through a pretty long development process of the story. Um, We all came came together as a part of a film fellowship called Project Involved through Film Independent, and our writer, Charmaine, brought this really beautiful premise just about this Black family in South LA on the day of Tupac's death. And so it took a really long time for us to figure out what the anchor of that story would be. We felt like the premise was cool, but we needed something that felt grounded in like, why today? Like, why does it need to be made now? Uh, So I would say first drafts of it, like first development probably started in April. And then Michaela, what, we were shooting in July. And yeah, and I would say like, we finished uh, the final, final, final sound mix maybe a month ago. (laughs) Yeah, y'all know how films go. It's like you get all this momentum and you do a ton of work and then there's kind of that pause or we got to figure out how to navigate certain things in post, but that was pretty much our timeline. So Michaela,
1: can you tell us how you were introduced to the short and what were your first reactions to
6: it? Absolutely. Um, So I was introduced to this piece, I want to say late June of last year. I was workshopping a piece with uh, an actor who's very dear to me. I call him my uncle Johnny, uh, John Bernthal, and the casting director just so happened to be in the audience. And was like, hey, um, where's, you know, was trying to find my agent and connected with my agent and was like, I would like her to come in for this piece. I think she would like it. And I remember I read it and was immediately emailing my agent back, like, yeah, set up the Zoom. Like, what's up? Like, (laughs) I... I was just visiting in town for, I was supposed to be just for that workshop. And I ended up in LA for like two months. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Yeah. And so when I, I remember when I read it, I was just like, I know that I want to be a part of this and I know I want to be a part of telling stories about black folks living and being human beings in Mm -hmm. real time and that's exactly what this script did and i remember i logged on to zoom and winter was there and i was like let me not try and fangirl right now (laughs) Um, (laughs) and be as like chill and comfortable as possible but i knew i wanted to work um i knew i wanted to work with her as soon as i touched the script so um oh my kayla sorry
5: no no it's okay Uh, i just it's funny though like because the moment we connected with the casting director, she's like, "I just saw this girl in this thing, and she is your girl." I promise, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I hope that's true." Like, I, let's do the work. And same, the moment we hopped on that Zoom, I was like, "Here we go, yeah, here we go. This is this is good. This is interesting. Um, such a beautiful talent and an even more beautiful soul." So, we we were so blessed to have Michaela. Truly. Thank
6: you.
0: <laughs> there
4: were a lot of
0: emotions that were hit in in this short film, um, but I really appreciated. I'm not gonna, uh, I won't spoil it, but um, there's there's softness in it too. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about all of those choices uh, and packing
5: all of that in in such a short time frame? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think kind of from the beginning, I knew I wanted this film to be like this quiet like intimate thing. Like when I talked about it, I would physically do this. And, you know, at first I was really nervous of like, if it's too quiet, if it's too intimate, will anyone notice it? Like, will it just kind of blow past and like the flashier films get the attention and we just kind of do our thing? And I was like, maybe, but I don't know, like, the the stuff, the films I love to watch are the ones that make me feel like they're touching on this tiny piece of me that no one else sees. And I wanted this film to do that for people. I think, you know, coming, I would say coming out of the pandemic. I don't know if that is true. Um, but you know, we were just going through so much, and so many people were experiencing grief in isolation. And there was something about that in the story that I could feel, and I felt like Tanisha felt like a lot of us in that time. And I thought, okay. If we could just land it right and every choice be grounded in truth, I think we'll find the people who need to see this film. And um, I'm just really grateful that I had collaborators like Michaela who came in and had a really quiet, beautiful confidence about the way she worked. Didn't have to be the, the big emotional thing. It was just walking in truth cleanly and clearly. Um, and it just, it, it clicked. The moment I saw her on frame making choices, I was like, yeah. This is, the right, this is the right approach for this story. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like
1: you set your stars, your talent up for success based on your crew as well. We were really excited to find out that, I think it's, uh, aside from your director of photography, it was all women of color led crew. Yep. Uh, it's so exciting to hear that. Um, can you talk about as director and as a star, how that changed just the overall feeling and, and tone of, of the project? Mm.
5: Yeah, I mean, I'll speak first, but I would love to hear my uh, experience too, working with us. But I feel like the whole process, the tone, it just was really chill, actually. It was like, everyone's on it, everyone's working, like, we are cranking this thing out. But there's like love and respect and not much ego, which you come into a lot in film and TV where it's like, Jesus, dude, like, let's just do the job. Like, I don't want to navigate the ego and the things. Like, I just want to do the work because that's what excites me. And I felt like I looked around the room or the Zoom room and went, damn, all of the women in this room want to do the same. Like, they just want to make good work too. And we don't have to do that thing. You know, you're kind of like trying to navigate This energy and that was like such a blessing. I was like, I want to take that everywhere I go. It doesn't have to be drama and craziness, it can just be clean, (laughs) good vibes, and good storytelling. So, that for me, it was just a really special experience. And our DP is a man of color too, and who had such respect for women and was like, I love that I'm the only man in this room. Yes, like this is awesome. You know what I mean? And it was like, okay, cool. This is the team that was supposed to like come together for this
6: hmm. Yeah, I think like speaking as someone who got to you know work as an artist on the film is coming into the space is always terrifying for mm-hmm. me as a black woman uh, mm-hmm. of color, uh, because I don't know what I'm going to get or who's going to be in the space or if I'm going to have to codify myself or censor myself or code switch so that I am uh, amenable and uh, appease powers that be and immediately mm-hmm. when we started collaborating. I, I remember my agents were asking, um, "We're just asking for things that I need," uh, mm-hmm. or just like, "Hey, if if we're gonna braid her hair, like." can we actually have a, uh, like a consultation and, and figure out together who's going to do that, that hairstyle? And can we see their mm-hmm. portfolio? And those are usually questions I'm terrified to ask because usually the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> take what you get and you better hope we don't rip your hair out in the process. Mm-hmm. But coming, before I even walked on set, there was such a culture of care. And I think what was really cool about that is the idea that feminine and masculine energy Existed in every single person's body, no matter how they showed up or identified. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the fact that it balanced out, and the priority was care. The priority was understanding our skill sets. The priority was understanding it wasn't just about one individual person, but instead a collaboration mm-hmm. and a partnership with very many different people in very many different departments. And there was not one moment where I didn't doubt that I was safe in that space, which gave me. Um, an opportunity to kind of let go of my fear and trepidation and make sure I did try things and make choices uh, because Mm -hmm. it was a very, like the piece felt so grounded on the page and I didn't want that to get taken away by like ego or like trying to show Mm -hmm. up or put on or impress folks and stuff, I didn't have to do that. I could just walk into that space and be myself and I think that is huge in part because it was led by so many women of color. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the men of color that were there or those who identify as male that were in that space thought to like care for the individuals that were working on the piece. And I thought that was really cool. It's rare. It shouldn't be, but it is.
5: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love hearing that, Michaela. Like as, as our actor on set, it's always like, are they safe? Do they feel like they're being taken care of? And do they genuinely feel that sense that like, we want to protect you so that you can just play and you can just be open and be true. And yeah. so to hear you say that, like, that brings me a lot of pride. Cause it's like, okay, cool. Like the team did what we were supposed to do. So that and makes then me that really means, happy. Like,
6: you know, I, I, like, I could walk into that space and I was like, like I could say nigga and not be scared, you know? Right. Or <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I could start cussing or, you know I could make a funny joke when we're doing this photo shoot and we'd never really met in person. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, And I'm like, my producer's standing right here, but like, you seem down. What's up? Like, hey, like, thank you. No, I'm good. I can walk. You know, that kind of energy, I think, uh, immediately changes the way we authorize ourselves to take up space. And Mm -hmm. I, I think the team made room for that for everybody, no matter the department.
0: I'm going to go off on a different tangent, and I'm going to let my friend here talk more about this film, because I know she probably has more, a lot more thoughts since she loves Tupac. Um, (laughs) But the props in the film... Michaela mm-hmm. didn't even know what a Discman was. And also, <laughs> <Don't> and also, <laughs> and also <laughs> I'm not as young as I look. Don't do me like that. <laughs> we're, we're older than we look. Um, and the Ticketmaster, like ticket stub, I'm like, I still have those. So mm-hmm. You could have just Same. called me. I could have yeah. just
6: sent you something. But so who, who is in I charge of that? My, I have my Ticketmaster. Like I'm, I'm doing a show out in San Diego, but I keep it on me. I keep it in my wallet. Oh, I got that in one of the Polaroids on me and stuff, but yeah, mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. you have the Polaroid. I have like all the like second choice, like B plan in case it Thank gets ruined. So much. And I was like, Mike, you're, like, you can have the Polaroid. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> our props master, our props master
6: was on it.
5: Yeah, our really. production designer Colleen, she also was wardrobe, which oh, in hindsight sure. I might never do again because oh. it's just like two very big departments, especially for like this period piece and. The entire house had to be flipped. There was nothing about the house that could live um, organically as it originally was. So it was a, a crazy lift, but I mean, she really did. She killed it. And there were so many. I felt bad because I'd be like, "It's close, but I don't really like, you know, or whatever." And she never pushed back. She'd be like, "Okay, good to know." And the next day, she's back at like the Warner Brothers prop house or whatever with like seventeen other options. Like, okay cool, here are all the things that fit within this time or whatever. And it was like, okay, once again, the collaborators are game, they're down and they're hungry to tell the story to the best of their ability too, which is like, as a director, it like, you can feed off of that energy. So yeah, she killed that. I mean, every piece. I, I have actually her, your um, headboard, my like Kayla in your, in your bedroom. Oh, I specifically said, yeah. I was like, I needed to be a wicker Headboard. Yeah. I know it's weird, but it's so black nineties. You know what I mean? Like that brown that she would just. Yeah. See in Everybody, mama house. I was like, <laughs> we need to find it. <laughs> and she found it, and it's in my garage right now. Like I'm gonna like put it in the house and and make it a piece. But yeah, she really fought for each of the props and each of the like the pieces in the film, and I think you can see that care that she mm-hmm. took. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I was definitely fully transported back mm-hmm. to the 90s and to that day. I mean, I remember exactly where I was when I found out that Tupac had died.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I don't know if you know if you're in L.A., but there's an exhibit out right now on mm-hmm. him. Wake me when I'm free. I just went on Saturday. So when I saw oh. this short, I was like, we have to cover it. And uh, I, have you had a chance to go to the exhibit? And, and can you talk about just why did it have to be Tupac? Why, why, why did that resonate mm-hmm. for this story?
5: Uh, Well, I definitely have been. I went the day that our South by announcement dropped. I like bought Mm. tickets for me and my partner because I felt like to celebrate Mm -hmm. with Tupac's like legacy and memory was like the best way to go about it. And I'm so happy I did. And I'm really happy that while it obviously focused Tupac and like who he was as an artist at a very young age, right? You can really see the talent but it also focused on mom, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is dear mama and mm-hmm. it's about what mom has like given to their kids and like how they take that and then run with it and become who they become. And so to see so much of her history and so much of her legacy in there, I was like, oh, this feels like home. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. um, I'm amped. And it it had to be Tupac, I don't know. I think that was one thing that was really important to our writer, honestly, She's like, you know, I have memories of me feeling misunderstood and going back to Tupac specifically. And I know me, I have so many memories of being misunderstood as a kid and going back to hip hop and feeling seen and heard in a way that like my mom didn't understand growing up in a Christian household. She's like, what is this trash you're listening to? And I'm like, this is the most honest thing I've heard all day. Like, I I need Mm -hmm. this. I need this music. I need the pulse. It gives me a sense of like... um, confidence and that I can say and be whoever the hell I want to whoever I want to be and that's okay and so I think in making this film and like the bravery that Tupac had and what he represented that was the part that was like no-brainer it was like it's Tupac it's dear mama what is everything else Like you know what I mean like <laughs> what else is there but that was like that's even throughout development throughout the program it was like that's not going anywhere that's that's locked in immediately mm.
6: <laughs> I think something else that comes up, in, in my mind it's one of the reasons why I think I was so attached to the piece so immediately uh, is the fact that for so many people uh, in various Black communities, but like the world beyond, right, is Tupac is a vessel of autonomy for so many folks, is mm. this like touchstone or this cornerstone of what it looks like to be creative and soft and Multi, you know, the multi-hyphenate thing is so hot right now. (laughs) Tupac had been doing that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And in the 90s, like, Tupac was who folks were turning to in so many different ways. And people just wrote it off as this one singular thing. Mm. Um, And I think seeing an opportunity to, like, allow Tupac to exist in space without being commodified to, like, all of the different archetypes we know of Tupac, Tupac, was really cool because he lives through Tanisha and Tanisha's relationship with her mom mm-hmm. and you can just kind of see that and Tupac also reminds me of breath and mm-hmm. I think one of the big themes of this piece is breath it's mm-hmm. like Tupac is where we can go to like find ourselves again like when Winter was saying this is the most honest thing I've heard all day is you can go back to Tupac when you want to hear the truth yep you know um, mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I think that's something that like really touches me. It's like, you know, go back to like, you know, Sankofa, go back and get it, like turn back if you need to, get what you need, take your breath, mm. take your time, take your space, um, and bump all the other mess and the noise in the world, take yep. what you need and get it when you deserve it. Um, I think that's a theme in a lot of the work that Tupac did. And I yep. think it kind of lives in the spirit of this entire piece, especially mm-hmm. with the idea of breath and it being quiet and someone not being feeling like they can breathe when they they don't have access to this music, this thing that centers them and homes them. So I think a lot of people can relate to
5: it. It's just incredibly universal. Absolutely. And I love what you said too about like, we talked a lot about breath, Michaela, right? Like Mm -hmm. in the script and in these pauses, it's like, what are these pauses when she's going back to her bedroom alone? what is that? Like, what is she looking for? And what is she doing? And I think that, like you said, Tupac 100% has been the person that so many people can go back to and turn to and go, okay, here's the truth when I no longer want to play the bullshit games that I see outside. But how do you do that when you're a child? And literally are, you know, you have a parent figure who tells you where you go, where you live, what you listen to, you know, it's like, how do we find the space to just to breathe and to take space when sometimes in our households, we aren't really given that um, luxury. Kids aren't given that luxury. And I think that was really important for us too. It's like Tupac was inspiring kids, like young people mm. and they still had to go home and have dinner and, and talk to, you know, they still had to go be kids and live their everyday life before they were 18 and able to say, all right, this is what I choose to be on the daily. Um, and so it was really fun exploring that. Like, okay, what is, this love story to Tupac from a teenager's from a child's point of view and what does that look like what does that friction look like with their father with the people around them so
0: are you two running for something I'll vote for you both
1: yeah I kind of want to talk to them run for an award like
5: hello you see <laughs> us we out here we match I'm to voting, You're voting. I'm, I was
1: gonna ask you i choreograph the shirts yeah everything phone bank whatever it's everything's just beautiful and it all works and yeah thank you for that we i think we both needed to hear that are you were you about to start crying because i I already i cried during the short of course well that was a given i couldn't even
0: write notes i was like
1: (laughs) (laughs) but but thank you for this has been such a really lovely we needed this conversation we love this short i Mm -hmm. hope it goes far i hope children see it i hope they showed it in schools i don't know it's just it's we needed it we needed it right now and, and we just really appreciate you so much again we've been speaking to director and co-writer winter dunn and the star michaela lachey bartholomew from the short dear mama congratulations thank,
5: thank you y'all, truly thank, thank you y'all so for me. having us
0: Hello, bitch stalkers. We're at South by Southwest 2022, and we have the director of the film, The Prank, Maureen Barucha, and Ramona Young, who is one of the lead actresses in the film. Maureen, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk about what The Prank is?
4: Yes. The Prank is a dark comedy um, about two best friends, Tanner and Ben. Um, And Ben has this teacher, a tough as nails teacher played by Rita Moreno, Mrs. Wheeler. Um, And after uh, Mrs. Wheeler fails this physics class, Tanner and Ben play a prank on Mrs. Wheeler and frame her for a murder of a missing student. So kind of things kind of spiral out of control on social media.
7: Wow. That was so well said.
0: <laughs> uh, I beat it yesterday with the So
4: She's
1: got I, it. She's got it. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, it's a very relatable story, you know, documentary-esque. Um, <laughs> but I I just want to start by saying um, Rita Moreno is 90. I mean, it's not a question, but can we just talk about that for a second? It, it, it blows my mind. <laughs> like, and for you, uh, you know, Ramona, you, you and Connor. I mean, did you have to work to keep up with her? Were you just like chugging en- energy drinks because the I, energy levels?
7: <laughs> I was chugging energy drinks, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she is very hard to keep up with because she is so witty and smart, and she absolutely one hundred and ten percent knows what she's doing. So when you're in a room with her, you want to like bring your A game, like absolutely. And she's like a ball of energy. She is. She's I mean, so funny. I feel like I had. to keep it with her. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I, um, I loved the casting, but Maureen, I read that this is a Hitchcockian type film and I, I love Hitchcock as well. And I want to know which films kind of inspired your directing with the prank by Hitchcock
4: yeah i mean i've been such a my mom was like a big hitchcock fan so i saw every movie as a kid um i you know one of my favorite movies is lifeboat so i feel like it's like kind of a deep dive but there's something in that movie i think you know lifeboat vertigo shadow of a doubt um where i feel like what's so great is you just don't know who to trust and you don't know what's coming next and who's telling the truth um so i feel like those movies in particular thematically but then also like you know listen to a lot of vertigo soundtracks like mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of infused in there a little bit
7: too um but yeah Ooh. that's psychological that's kind nice. of like yeah, yeah. This, the music in it the music scores are very Hitchcock like
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah and let's get to your character Ramona Tanner <laughs> who is so much fun uh c- can you talk about what aspects of, of Tanner's traits you were excited to portray and maybe some traits that you have in common? <laughs> I mean,
7: I loved reading the script. And when I read like the character for Tanner, I was like, gosh, this person is so funny. Um, and immediately I got like this intuition that she's kind of chill and laid back and cool, but also like, really smart without having to try to be. And so it was really fun, like trying to portray all those aspects of her. And in real life, I'm none of that.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. Um, but can we talk about having a woman as a director where we try and pick films where it's women led or LGBTQ led or POC led? And we're hearing a lot of it's great to have a director, a woman director in the room. It kind of sets the tone for the set. So either maybe I'll start with Ramona. Does that, does that help you in your um, acting and just showing up on a day to day?
7: Absolutely. I love working with female directors and more. So I love working with Maureen, you know, like you show up and you absolutely feel like you're in a safe space to play. And she's so open to like creativity and suggestions and, you know, she shows up and she's always in like good spirits and it just makes you like happy to be there. And also she's She's a genius.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, coming from a genius because Ramona (laughs) is, I mean, I was already a huge fan of Ramona before she was in the movie. Um, And then what was so great is that it is really cool. I think like the character of Tanner were kind of open, like let's be open to women and men, because originally it was a a boy in the script. But as soon as Ramona came in, it was like, there was no, like she was Tanner. And so what's really great is that, you know, Ramona brought so much stuff to the page that wasn't there just by, because she is so funny and had me cracking up every choice that she made. I was just like, yes. So it's really easy to have a, you know, to like work with Carrie the movie, you know, because she's just so brilliant.
7: And also I have to say like, not every director gives you that freedom to play and just be like, okay, do your thing. And so I feel like in this film, we got really lucky to work with Maureen because she allows that.
1: Yeah, No, I'm glad you're talking about that because it is um, the cast is so stacked. As Aaron said, you know, we already talked about Rita Moreno, but you have Kate Flannery, you have Meredith Salinger, you have these heavy hitters in the industry and then these exciting young talent. Uh, Can you talk about directing sort of those two worlds in one scene and the sort of mentorship that happens between them?
4: Yeah, I mean, you have, you know, like you said, Rita Moreno, Keith David, you have, you know, Kate Mm, Flannery, Meredith Salinger. So you have these legends that kind of have gone through it you know, for many, many years. And then you have the kind of like the fresh young cast as well. So just kind of butting up against those two groups is to me, what kind of makes movie so special. And then also like when you do have a Keith David or, or Rita, like they just set the bar where I feel like everybody does want to, you know, impress them, be up to that caliber. So when you have that kind of talent that has just been in the business forever, I think that makes everybody kind of want to get on their game a little bit better.
7: Yeah. And I have to say like from an actor's perspective, like just in between scenes and in between takes, they were not like, they were so open to sharing their stories and their advice and their like, whatever. It was like such a great like learning process as well as just having a blast.
0: And I I do want to talk about Ramona. I mean, you're you're having a a good couple of years here. Um, I mean, it's been all right. (laughs) I mean, never have I ever, which I love so much. And this film um, and just we just had Lisa Ling on and we were talking about it's really cool to be Asian all of a sudden. Do you feel yeah. like, do you feel like that's the momentum in Hollywood right now? And also how do we sustain that momentum going
7: forward? Hell yeah. I uh, love the momentum, love the direction that we're going in. I think to keep going, we gotta like just take risks and make stuff and, you know, push boundaries and just like keep going, like keep doing, you know, we just got to like expand and just keep doing what we're doing we were just talking about this um, and half South Asian and like, I think it is, what's cool to me is that there is this
4: groundswell. I really think of real support for peers, yeah. especially like the direct community um, too, that like, we just need to really support and lift each other up. And that is, there's room for everybody. And I feel like really, you know, walk the top, what is it? Yeah. Walk the walk. yeah. Um, I think the, the more, the more opportunities there'll be.
7: I agree. I totally agree with
1: you. Yes. That. And just sitting in this interview, I feel it. And that's so special that we can all share this moment together and celebrate your film uh, and on the topic of broader stories. So we have the baseline story uh, of these kids and their hijinks and there's twists and turns. Um, (laughs) But there's also other layers to the story, like the fast spread of fake news. Yeah. uh, Questioning journalistic integrity. Um, Were those aspects intentional, intentional to the time we're living in right now? Or am I just paranoid and I watch too much?
4: (laughs) No, I mean, I think that that was very intentional. Um, It was something that I definitely wanted to beef up because, you, you know, you have a movie about social media and it can be tricky, but my mom finished the movie and she's like, can this really happen? On, can this kind of thing really happen online? And I was like, mom, that is what the internet <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah>. um, <laughs> And so I think it is like, you, you just don't, I mean, I think on both, everybody doesn't know what to believe now. It's kind of the yeah. scary place that we live in uh, a little bit where, yeah. Who is telling the truth?
0: Well, I, I want to know if Frock Rock is going to go on tour because I'm really into uh, the music.
7: <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah, next, I was going to say our next stop is San Francisco.
1: Are you kidding? We're there. <laughs> no, I'm
7: so kidding.
1: <laughs> we will cover it.
7: Yeah, we will be there.
1: <laughs> In your living room, actually. Uh, wonderful. No. I
0: have
7: a I have a good backyard. We could we have lights up. We could do that. <laughs> I guess in the film it's like a band that Ben and Tanner have been doing it's what it's like their side project and I think it's like a huge thing that like connects their friendship (laughs) um and yeah something that was really interesting about the film is like Maureen actually like bounded me and Connor by the hands and forced us to write the actual music for this for, for our band and she didn't let us out of the room until we had a song ready yeah i was like it must be good yeah <laughs> that's um, amazing that was a like, fun way it was right at the beginning of the
4: movie before we shot anything it was A fun way for them to like you know kind of go do something creative together exactly and it's well, so catchy it's like, it's like <laughs> i mean that's why i put at the end of the movie you know i feel like when we're looking for a song to end the movie you're like it's obviously from this this really well-produced, awesome song that they made. I can't <laughs> they believe made. you
7: used it for the credits. I can't believe it. That's
1: oh, it's amazing. perfect. It's perfect, yes. <laughs> I wish there was a camera in the room just kind of while they were creating it. That's amazing. It's <laughs> such a good story.
0: Yeah, it worked. It totally worked. And I love Yay. the outfits.
4: Her costume is Hannah So good. She's brilliant. She did all the costumes, and like that was like her... I love, what if we like swapped the colors and I was like perfect
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I that was perfect well we're gonna wrap and it makes me so sad because this has been really fun conversation um but we have been talking with director Maureen Barucha and actor Ramona Young from the film The Prank thanks so much for being on Bitch Talk
6: Thanks again to our friends over at Lost Republic for sponsoring this year's coverage of the South by Southwest Festival and for being the official whiskey of the Bitch Talk podcast. Be sure to visit them at lostrepub.com and find them at your local pub or bottle shop. Tell them Bitch Talk sent you.
1: If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information
0: about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com.
1: This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Erin Lim. My co host is Angela Tabora,
0: aka Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions.